You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You are inside the QB factory, where our magical development dust makes dreams come true. This is episode one, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. And as always, here to break down quarterbacks around the league in the draft is quarterback one in our heart. Our development dust magic maker. He is Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark. How you doing, brother? I'm excited. We get a little rebrand here. And I guess technically you can't say, you know, welcome back because this is a new show. I mean, all those QB Sco shows, those those gone. They're in the past because this is a new era. This is the QB factory. Look what Howie Roseman did to you. He killed your name. He killed the brand. And that's, I guess, the main reason to be upset with him, right? No other reasons to be upset with him this morning. <laughs> um, but brother. it is good to be here. It's good to see your face again. We were on IG Live last night and that went incredibly well. I was yeah. re-watching that before I went to bed. <laughs> interesting, interesting evening. The people are clamoring for a historical reference. Since I do the work that the people demand, I got up this morning a little bit earlier and was doing some research on intelligence failures. And when you Google intelligent fail- intelligence failures in the year of our Lord 2020, you immediately go down a very partisan path incredibly fast. Like at this point, I am convinced that George Soros is pulling the strings for everything and he's the reason that they drafted Jalen Hurts. But be that as it may, I, I think an easy one – because the people are clamoring for such a historical reference, is Pearl Harbor. We'll talk about this with the Jalen Hurts pick in a second. But the intelligence failures building up to Pearl Harbor, they had warning signs, all the red lights were blanking, whatever little catchy phrase you want to use. I pulled up, yes, another JSTOR article. For example, a purple message on July 31st, 1941, from the foreign minister in Tokyo to the ambassador in Washington declared, quote, there is more reason than ever before for us to arm ourselves to the teeth for all-out war. Like, they had messages like this that they decoded, that they captured, and they failed to see it coming. Now, Pearl Harbor and drafting a quarterback at 53 overall are two vastly different planets, okay? But you and I both know Dan Hammond, right? Mm-hmm. know him incredibly well, a man who was in the Eagles draft room once upon a time. Yep. One of the things he taught us over at the Scouting Academy was this. People tend to, for the most part, agree on the evaluations of players, right? Where yep. they get it wrong and where the fights happen are on the scheme fit side. And so this, from my perspective, looking at the Jalen Hurts pick, that's where the fight was, the mm-hmm. scheme fit side. Because everybody – Talk to anybody around the league. Talk to anybody that covers this sport, covers the draft. We'll tell you that, look, Jalen Hurts is a good football player, great man of character. Like, I'm sure everybody's evaluation was roughly the same. It then becomes the scheme fit. And the people in the quarterback side of the building probably thought that he fits what they do or they can make him fit what they do. Right. But the problem is – how often do we have that proven track record of quarterback development? Now, maybe you can say, look, what they have done with Carson Wentz 
is enough to make you think they can develop Jalen Hurts into being a West Coast-based quarterback. But yeah, it's a stretch in my mind. I agree. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that and the specifics of it. But like what came to mind for me was I was, I was reading through the, the restoration of Rome with Peter Heather. And this isn't a long historical reference. It's just that the, the term poison chalice kept coming up. And this is something that me and Benjamin Solak were talking about on the on Kiss and Solak 181 that drops before this, that the Eagles are trying to recreate this dumb luck that they had in, in 2017 and trying to like regloss it as if th- that was the purpose like the whole time. Like it worked because of us, because we're so smart. We brought in Nick Foles because we knew he could get us through a stretch in the playoffs. And like that's that's foolish to me. That's at least the the impression that I'm getting from the Eagles is they think they can recreate that backup quarterback magic, that outlier with Nick Foles. And I just don't see that as smart business. Right. Trying to recapture magic is not a plan. Look, I, I'm a fan of a, a team that had a similar sort of luck story. You know, drafting Tom Brady 199 is not a plan, okay? And people might tell you that, oh, you know, they really liked what they saw and there were people banging the table for him, sure. But as Brian Bilk would love to point out on shows like the Brady Six, Patriots passed on him five times too. I mean, so the idea that now they can recapture it, whether it's, you know, drafting Ryan Mallett in the fifth round when they drafted him or as we're probably going to see today, drafting James Morgan in the sixth round, it's not a plan. And- You know, I'm often one that will point out the fact that Bill Belichick would always say you want to be a year ahead of schedule rather than a year behind schedule when you're replacing a quarterback. The time to need a quarterback is, you know, not when you need a quarterback and things like that. Well, okay, but when you're at the top of the draft board, that's a great time to get a quarterback. When you're trying to do it when you're behind the draft capital game, you're really trying to force it. Jalen Hurts in a vacuum is a second round quarterback. I'm okay with saying that. And I said that last night when we were talking on the gram. But at 53 with the other needs that this team had, it's a very questionable pick. Then when you factor in the scheme fit analysis of this, it's I, I'm struggling to see how Jalen Hurts, a guy that goes 3.08 seconds snap to throw in the college game, is suddenly going to get fast enough to run the Philadelphia Eagles version of a West Coast offense. That is a leap in my mind. Now, maybe he can get there, but I'm questioning to see how that takes place. And the other thing to keep in mind, a lot of people have thrown out the idea that maybe you put together a package for him. Maybe you make him sort of a Taysom Hill guy up front, and that's a way to get him involved in the offense and to make him, you know, an impact player now. How does that help his overall quarterback development? Right. If he's lining up five, seven, ten times in the wing on Sundays, how is that getting him ready to be a quarterback in the National Football League? Right. Like you can't have it both ways. If the idea is to make him somebody that's going to contribute right away, then you're not letting him be a quarterback and you're stunting his development. And so then if and when he does have to be a quarterback, he's not going to be ready. Is the idea then to not use him that way? Is the idea to let Nate Sudfeld be the backup if something happens? It just, there are so many other things they could have done at 53. <laughs> I, I, I don't have another thought. My, I'm just like, Yeah. I'm just That's, I'm dumbfounded to to kind of like continue on that path of like his his slow decision making. Th- this is from PFS draft guide and it kind of hits on what you're saying. Mike Renner says, quote, hurts his slow decision making throughout his career is terrifying when projecting to the NFL. He's played behind some of the best offensive line situations in college football. And when that's not the case in the NFL, 
things could get ugly. And he did have some fantastic situation. And you look at like his 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 stat line, like all the stats look look pretty nice. Like the yards per attempt in 2017 are down, but like 17 touchdowns, one interception, 60% completion percentage. Like Josh Allen would kill for 60%. 2018 is at 73%. 2019, 69.5%, 11.3 yards per attempt, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions, not even talking about his contributions in the run game. Like this looks like a guy that takes care of the football when you look at the stats and whatnot. But at the same time, uh, I saw a quote from like an NFL offensive coordinator saying, hey, you know, if it's third and seven, can he consistently, you know, hit something over the linebackers into a window over and over and over again? I don't think so, but he can do some stuff with his legs and and whatnot. And, you know, maybe the comparison, like people were trying to say, is he like a Lamar Jackson? I think you kind of have to design your offense kind of like a Lamar Jackson offense. The Eagles don't have that. The Eagles don't do that. So that doesn't make sense here. Like Tyrod Taylor was Renner's comp for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes a ton of sense. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a reasonable comp for him is Tyrod Taylor. And there are things that Tyrod Taylor does well. One of the questions with Tyrod Taylor was if he could handle sort of a – West Coast offense, you look at when the Buffalo Bills sort of made a move to a West Coast game, he sort of struggled because the decision-making, the timing, and the process and speed wasn't quite there. And we often say sometimes that guys just are who they are. And how much is a quarterback who, like Renner pointed out in the PFF Draft Guide, whose slow decision-making is terrifying when projecting to the NFL, how much is that really going to improve over the course of time that he's going to get? We the other thing to keep in mind is while the Eagles, yes, they have somewhat of a track record of quarterback development, Carson Wentz was a more advanced passer coming out of NDSU than right. Jalen Hurts was, certainly. Carson Wentz was also running a West Coast offense at NDSU where he had a lot on his plate at the line of scrimmage, checks, audibles, route conversions, things like that, not running what Jalen Hurts was doing under Lincoln Riley. And so to expect that the quarterback development you were able to encapsulate and make happen with Carson Wentz is going to be mirrored in what you're able to do with Jalen Hurts. That's a flawed set of expectations because they're coming from two vastly different starting points with their knowledge basis as a quarterback. And so you've got to really believe that you can get it right. But by the way, some of the guys that were in the room with you when you did it aren't there anymore. Right. You know, so it's really going to be on Doug Peterson. And, you know, you dropped it in the DMs last night. Is Press going to be able to do this? Right. Like, are we sure that he's going to be able to do it? Here's another thing to keep in mind. And I always say that mechanics don't matter until they matter. And one of the things that I did like about Jalen Hurts, his pre-draft process, was how the mechanics got tightened up from what he was showing on film in Oklahoma to what he was showing when he had his throwing sessions at the Combine. But how many other quarterbacks have we seen those throwing mechanics get cleaned up for a show like the Combine or for training camp, and then the second the game gets real and the muscle memory takes over, that loop comes back. Now, it's not an issue if he's in, say, Tampa Bay's offense, which is where I wanted him to go. I thought Hurts would have been perfect with Bruce Arians because he's a downfield guy, and that snap-to-throw time isn't going to be an issue when the routes are 35, 40 yards downfield. When you're trying to drill a slant between the corner and the linebacker, Every split second matters. And if that loop starts coming back, it's going to be an issue. So it gets us to that idea of mechanics don't matter until they matter. They will matter if they come back here and he's trying to make that quick throw and the ball's coming out late. And we saw that with uh, Blake Bortles. Remember all the yep. reports about him in training camp? How he's tightened up his release and he's Every got that year. long loop. But he figured all that out. As soon as you get some pressure in your face in a real NFL game, 
we see what you are and what you are is often reverting back to what you've been this entire time. So until Hertz is able to show me and who knows if he's going to, I mean, is he going to show it in a preseason game? We don't even know right. what kind of preseason there's going to be. Like, it's just weird to me that the, the, the Eagles have gone so far into this. And the other aspect to this, and I think one of the most important aspects to this, and something that, that Les Bowen brought up, and I, I love Les because Les is fantastic, the, right. the beat writer here in Philadelphia, because like uh, Chris Long told this story. Or he was talking with uh, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson came to the locker room. And Les was there already with a microphone, and I guess Lane had given up a couple sacks. And he was like, so you gave up a couple sacks today. And that was the question. So Les will ask you right. what's on his mind, and he, he'll leave it open-ended for you. And, and, and he, he nailed the, the, the Eagles with a question about, you know, like, you know you made life more difficult for Carson, right? Because after all this stuff with, with the Nick Foles shadow after the Super Bowl and then the injury in 2018, and Nick Foles is still around, and he gets him to the playoffs and all this stuff, you get to 2019 – they're free of Nick Foles. He's out in Jacksonville. He's banged up, whatever. Josh McCown isn't really a threat, but he's a good guy to have in the building, which is kind of the guy I wanted them to add for the Eagles. And always like that veteran presence. Like I, I like I like that kind of guy, that Ryan Fitzpatrick, that, J, that Josh McCown. Like that's kind of what I wanted. Now you bring in this young quarterback after Carson goes on a four-week stretch, gets the Eagles to the playoffs, and we're, we can finally say without getting any kind of kickback, like this is Carson's team. This is Carson's team. Carson and the kids was a big phrase at that time. Now, this just takes all of that, throws it out, and throws even a bigger shadow over it. And the, and the, and the problem with it is, when you ask, when Shield Capadia asks Howie Roseman, what is the best case scenario for it? They can't be honest about it. Because the best case scenario is that Wentz gets hurt, and Hurts comes in, and does a good job over an extended period of time. I'm not talking about get you through four games, be at 500. I'm talking about make a serious run. That's the best case scenario, but they can't say it because they have, they, they're not going to say, well, if Carson gets hurt, they're not going to throw that out there. So they can't be completely honest with you. So you have an entire impromptu press conference that you weren't supposed to have to try to mansplain this pick to us. And you can't even say what it's really about. And it's just like, what do the Eagles think of Carson that they think to need to do this? What do they think of where offenses are going from an evolution perspective? I put that Press Taylor quote out there. You're talking about two quarterbacks on the field all the time. It, it just seems like they have bought into their own crap of 2017 with how lucky they were and are doubling down on it. And now it's going to have a negative impact on like how he said, how he said, nobody expects a rookie quarterback to take snaps from a Pro Bowl quarterback. What city do you live in? Right. Because right at that time, Joe Gillia was on 94 WIP talking about this and questioning it. And Joe Gillia, and I love Joe. He's a big one's detractor. We disagree on him. It's fine. It's just sports. It's just a take. But the external pressure that's going to be created by the media because of this pick is possibly going to have a negative effect on Carson Wentz. That's what you don't want. Mike, it's 1129 Eastern on Saturday on day three of the draft. Okay. We're not even post-draft yet, right. and there are corners of the Philadelphia media which, with reason, given what just happened, are starting to write the you know post-mortem on the Carson Wentz era in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's not even May, let right. alone June. And, and so the drumbeats of a quarterback controversy are already upon us. And that's not a great position to be in because, like you said, Carson basically willed himself in the Island of Misfit Toys in the receiver room to the playoffs down the stretch last year. 
And if Jadavion Clowney doesn't dive in, you know, kamikaze style into the back of his helmet, who knows how that game ends? Right. But instead, the lingering image is going to be Carson Wentz not able to finish that playoff game. And now what do they do in the next sort of post-draft, post, you know, Nick Foles departure draft? They get a quarterback at 53. It's just, it's the smartest guys in the room. Yep. And it's unfortunate because as somebody that, look, I've got a signed Carson Wentz card over my shoulder. I guess somebody that started watching Carson, Carson Wentz in like 2014 and has loved the way he has played the game, you can see the storm clouds rising here. It just, you have that feeling that the Carson Wentz era in Philadelphia is going to end in disappointment. Yes, there will be a Super Bowl along the way, but it wasn't Carson holding Lombardi, you know, coming off the field. It wasn't Carson going to Disney World. Like you it's said. A, it's a poison chalice. It's, it's a poison it is. chalice. It's, it's nightmarish in a sense because all this does is create an, a, a swirl of controversy around him in this position. And the best case scenario for the quarterback you drafted at 53 is that he doesn't see the field. Or if he does see the field, it's because the guy that you drafted second overall a couple years ago is hurt again. And we don't want to see that. But as – look, as Ben wrote, the duality of Carson Wentz, it might happen again. With the way he plays the game, it might happen again. And so if you want to look at a – like, so glass half full, this is at least an acknowledgement that they know who their starting quarterback is. He's a player that will put himself on the line and he might get hurt again. Okay. You had Nate Sutfield. Does Jalen Hurts, even if backup quarterback was a smart move to make last night, was Jalen Hurts the guy? And I said this to you last night. If they wanted to go quarterback linebacker, you could have gone Logan Wilson at 53, the linebacker from Wyoming. You could have gone, if you wanted to go the overhang defender linebacker route like they did with Davion Taylor. I know there are murmurs about his foot right now, but Akeem Davis Gaither was available. You could have gone with him at 53 or any other linebacker at 53. And Jake Fromm still staring you in the face. Yeah. He's still on the board right now. Now, Jake Fromm is certainly not the most exciting quarterback prospect. He's not the sexy quarterback prospect out there. But what he is, he's a perfect West Coast quarterback. Right. He's a guy that can at least step in and do this. And he doesn't have a long windup. He makes quicker decisions. Like, he's not for everybody, but he might be for the Eagles. And if you draft him at 103, you're not waking up today thinking Carson Wentz is over, is done, it's gone. No, you're thinking... Okay, they've got good competition now with Sudfeld and Fromm for the backup quarterback spot. You haven't generated a quarterback controversy. Now you have, and you've brought that on itself. And backup quarterback is a position that matters. I've said this many times. But you want to get somebody that's going to be able to run your offense. And so on both tracks, it's a mind-numbing decision from where I sit. Backup quarterback is always the most popular quarterback in town when uh, when things aren't going Especially right. Especially when the town is Philadelphia. Especially. Like, yeah, it's just the facts, man. So when we come back here on the QB Scope Show, Mark, I want to actually ask you about a, a very, well, not necessarily a one-for-one comparison, but a similar situation that unfolded during the draft that's coming up next here on the QB Factory. And we are back here on the QB Factory episode one. Mark, I want to talk about a similar situation, kind of, not really, but Carson Wentz and, and Jalen Hurts. And then you look at what the Green Bay Packers did in the NFL draft, who are, are really just out there not crushing it at all. And I would love to make fun of them, of course, but like the Eagles kind of screwed that up. But at the same time, it is a discussion to have about 
are the Packers trying to like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers in a Brett Favre scenario type of thing with Jordan Love? And it's weird because you look at Aaron Rodgers' contract and he's what, like 36 years old, if I'm not mistaken. But like you look at the contract and 2021, the dead money is 31 and a half mil. You're not getting out of that contract. In 2022, the cap hit is $40 million. The dead cap is still $17.2 million. That's a potential out, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. It helps that you're going to have a a contract, a rookie contract there with with Jordan Love. What's the thinking for the Packers to do this? I I get maybe they're trying to recreate that. Like we talk about this, recreate the Nick Foles thing. They're trying to recreate the Aaron Rodgers situation. Maybe is that what's happening? Maybe. I, if you look at the, the Love pick in a vacuum, two things can be true. This is the perfect environment for Jordan Love because he won't have to play right away. Nobody's expecting him to come in and beat out Aaron Rodgers. You know, nobody expects him to take snaps from Aaron Rodgers. If he's in the game, it means Rodgers is hurt. Like, this is a chance for him to sit, learn, develop all those good things that we love to say. Oh, developmental quarterbacks. This is a team that went to the NFC Championship game last year. Yeah. How does drafting Jordan Love, where you drafted him, trading up to go get him, get you that much closer to a Super Bowl in 2020? Okay. Is it an admission that they're saying that they overachieved or is this just like a Matt LaFleur thing and that's his quarterback? Like it's so weird. That's I think it's two angle. things. I think you're exactly right on one of that because then you look what they did at 62. A.J. Dillon, a running back from BC, a bruise in between the tackles guy who showed us a bit more speed at the combine than perhaps we expected. They've got two running backs, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who are in the final years of their contract. And right. so Dylan, best case scenario, is probably a running back by committee guy in 2020, and maybe he's your starting running back, your featured guy in 2021. So there's two picks that are perhaps more geared towards the future than what they can give you in 2020. And then you add Josh DeGuara, who's a tight end, probably I comped him to Kyle Juszczyk. He's probably a fullback slash H-back in the National Football League. And they run, look, 25% of their snaps last year were out of 12 personnel or 21 personnel, excuse me, yeah. with two running backs. I comped Aguera to nobody because I, I didn't watch him. Yeah. And <laughs> you, look, you're probably the smarter man than I am. I mean, we knew <laughs> that, but this is more evidence of it. You're moving towards a 21 personnel team. You're, you're drafting guys like Love and Dylan that you don't expect to be full-time contributors here in 2020. So I think in a sense, it is a nod to they overachieved a bit and they've got to sort of get ready and retool themselves to become a better team. And maybe LaFleur's vision is we're going to run it more often than not. We're going to throw it 20 times a game. Okay. If that's what you want to be as a team, you've got Aaron Rodgers in that massive contract now. Like, that seems to be a problem. So it is, I think, a nod to overachievement last year. I think it's an eye towards what they want to become. But you're going to be having arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time, one of the most talented guys to ever play the position, hand the ball off 40 times a game and pay him what? How many millions a year? They haven't drafted a skill position player. Since Aaron Rodgers. Right. <laughs> like, And that's the thing. That Rodgers' window is closing, and it certainly seems that way, at least it's closing in Green Bay. Yeah. You are a team, like we just said, a game away from a Super Bowl. Maybe they think they overachieved. I'm not so sure about that. Right. Like, like Honestly, like try to think like front front offices ever saying that they overachieved. Like, I don't think you would catch anybody saying that. That's a no. hard admission to make. That is you know a hard I mean? admission to make. And you look at what they could have done at 30 when they were originally slotted to pick. Right. Like there were no T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, guys that 
you know, Cincinnati and Indianapolis were all too happy to see fall to the second round because Denzel I Mims mean, look, in the second round too. Like they could have, they could have yeah, helped. They could have given him helped play. Marins Rogers immediately, and you could still have drafted AJ Dillon and Josh McGuire when you did. You could still be running that twenty-one personnel team. You know, maybe throwing it twenty times a game off of play action. But now you've got T Higgins down there. Now you've got Denzel Mims down there. Now you've got Michael Pittman down there. Indianapolis at thirty-four was on the clock. I think for fifteen seconds. They raced to the virtual podium to turn in that card. Like, so there were talented players that would help you in 2020. Now, maybe, maybe they're getting intelligence. We don't. Maybe this is another intelligent failure. Maybe half of the picks that were made tonight were made because we're not going to get a 2020 season. Maybe that's it. Or maybe, as somebody pointed out on ESPN radio, they were saying that teams want to have two quarterbacks because your starter might catch the Rona and it's going to be out for two weeks. Like maybe that's what teams are doing. I don't know. But while round one seemed so chalky for the most part, rounds two and three, people seem to have lost their minds at some spots. And what about the relationship between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers at this point? All year last year, for like the better part of the year, it was always like, okay, get the sideline cam on 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 Lafleur and Rodgers. Are they okay? Are they buddies? Would they have a beard together? You think they're having a beard together now? <laughs> that this no, <laughs> no. And sometimes you get a window into how people are viewing a situation from the outside when they fall for a joke. Because who was it from the Athletic? Was it Bob Ginn? Who saw the fake sports talk Barry tweet about how Rodgers was losing his mind and ran with it? Well, somebody that's that plugged in had to have thought that this was at least plausible to go and run right. with that. You know, <laughs> if you see something and you're that plugged in and you, it seems extremely outlandish and you know it is, you're not going to run with it. But the fact that there was enough in his mind, in the back of his mind, that thought this was at least possible, that he mm. ran, ran with it with, with confidence, tells you that in the room there's a problem. And yes, there was a fractured relationship between him and Mike McCarthy – you know, I was reading a great anecdote where there was a clip of Rodgers losing his mind and screaming about a, about a play call when McCarthy was there. And when they had their weekly meeting the next week, McCarthy had that queued up on his computer to show to Rodgers. Like there was a fractured relationship there. Rodgers was angry because McCarthy was part of the 49ers team that passed on him when they drafted him. So clearly Rodgers holds grudges. Yeah. How's he going to feel right now when he walks into the room and there's a guy wearing number 10, drafted in the first round, Drafted to be his replacement. Not everybody handles the replacement quarterback gig like Alex Smith, who handled right. it extremely well with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. More people do it like Joe Flacco, who handled it how he did with Lamar, which is why I thought when somebody tweeted out, send Flacco to Green Bay, that would have been fantastic. You get those three guys <laughs> in the same quarterback room. Yeah, that would be <laughs> unreal. So, and, like, and like the idea that like – and I said, I said this the other night, but like the idea that Jordan Love – would learn from Aaron Rodgers. That's always right. that idea, right? That young quarterback that comes in and he can learn from Aaron Rodgers. What do you think Aaron Rodgers learned from Brett Favre? Brett Favre wasn't showing him Jack Diddley's yeah. squad. Well, first of all, Brett Favre didn't know anything to show him. Like he didn't know what a nickel back was when he came into the league. And, and so But like yeah, Rodgers not Rodgers not gonna that, take him under his wing. That's not happening. No, that's not Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. You have to know your locker room as a front office, as an organization. And it's parallels exactly with what we were talking about earlier in yep. Philadelphia. You have to know the environment. You have to know the context that you're going to be bringing these guys into. And you have to know how that's going to impact the 54 guys in the room. Yeah. The idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to like start taking Jordan Love out for dinners and 
taking them out for drinks and saying, hey, you know, when rerun, you know, smash, like this is what you really got to read. You got to watch. No, that's not happening. This like romanticized idea of quarterback, rookie quarterbacks coming in and, you know, being the caddy and learning the ropes. <laughs> no, guys don't want to teach somebody how to take their job. Right. Like yep. you don't want to teach the guy that's going to be taking food off your plate how to do it. No. And that's the phrase we hear all the time at the combine. Like these guys go to the podium before they get drafted. You know, I'm here to take food off somebody's, somebody else's plate. And I know that. Now you're going to go learn from him. You think he's going to teach you? You think you're going to eat that food? Hmm. Really? <laughs> I mean, that's that's like a golden crown Game of Thrones situation. You know, it's molten if, gold he's going to be feeding you. If, if this, if basketball were still going on, I guarantee you the way that like Philadelphia would spin this. And they did this with, with Alshon Jeffrey. They probably told him to do this like. Carson, Alshon, we need y'all to be seen in public so some of this can quiet down a little bit. Would you go to a basketball game with some other guys, take some pictures and whatnot? Carson, would you take Jalen out to to a dinner and you could talk about it and everything everything will be nice and milk and cookies and everything like that? Meanwhile, behind the scenes, everyone wants to freaking kill themselves. Right. I wanted my headphones ripping apart because yeah. I'm ticked, down ticked off because I'm talking about that. Anyway, uh, Mark, any last thoughts before we get out of here on the first edition of the QB Factory? Sorry to kill your name. This look, was, man. This look. <laughs> How we made a call. Clearly, he'd been listening to the show and realized, like, look, we've got to, we've got to put the smackdown on these guys. And I, I get it. Look, it's, it's a big business. It's a big boy business. And I've got my big boy pants on. Actually, I don't. The hard pants hurt these days. The quarantine fifteen is real. <laughs> the beauty of the NFL draft is that by seven p.m. tonight, we could have a completely different outlook on what teams have done. Like we are, you know, performing an autopsy while the body is still breathing. Like, we're only halfway through this. So things could yeah. look vastly different by this time tonight. Like, the Eagles could go out and they could address a bunch of different positions. They could add Cole McDonald still, and which would make it fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that would be one heck of a quarterback room. Oh. Wentz, Sudfeld, McDonald, and Hurts. Oh, my goodness. The Packers could go out and get, like, five receivers today, and everybody's going to be happy and smiling. But to this point, the Eagles, the all-Jalen draft, like, it is a question mark. The Jalen Hurts pick has ramifications beyond the football field between the lines. These guys think they have a way to recapture the magic of 2017. It's going to be tough. And again, as you were pointed out with Joe G, it's Saturday morning and the postmortems on the Carson Wentz era in Philly have begun. Just imagine what they will be like come June. So we thank you for joining us for this depression, uh, depressing <laughs> edition of uh, of the, the, QB, the factory. QB factory. It's it's been a heck of a, a heck of a experience, and of course we'll have uh, day three coverage and everything like that here at BGN. But thank you for toiling in the minds of the QB Factory.